Hello and welcome to the Double Play Podcast. I'm your host, Anderson Picard. Happy to have you on the show today. We have a great episode of content, both in baseball and in football, including a guest appearance that I know you guys will all enjoy listening to. Uh, before we get into the content of the show itself, some housekeeping notes. Make sure to follow this show on Twitter at DoublePlayPTST. The show is hosted by Primetime Sports Talk, so make sure to check out Primetime Sports Talk at PrimetimeSportsTalk.com, as well as on Twitter at Talk Primetime and Instagram at PT Sports Talk. Uh, again, I'm your host, Anderson Picard. You can follow me on Twitter at Anderson Picard. I post questionably funny content on that page. So again, happy to have you. Uh, this show, we have one announcement before we get into the content. The show is going to be every two weeks now as we get into the uh, process of bringing sports back as a as a nation. Uh, we're still dealing with some downtime in terms of news. So while we wait for the news and uh, busyness of a sports season to ramp up, we are going to be having the show uh, occur every other week. So we just don't have enough content for every week. Uh, and as a host, it's easier because there's it's going to be easier to find content every two weeks instead of every one. You don't, and as a, as a listener, it'll be good for you guys because you don't want bland, watered-down content. You want unique content. So I, in my opinion, it's worth waiting the extra week for that uh, strong and really impressive content. Uh, at least I think it's impressive. Anyways, I'll let you guys be the judge of that. We'll get right into the baseball content right now. To begin, we will be talking about the plans to open the season back up, uh, if that's a thing. Uh, assuming baseball season starts to pick up soon, I think it's going to be the first sport back. Uh, basketball is opening their facilities uh, with restrictions, of course, but they haven't announced any plans to open up and resume games. So that will be something to monitor. Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic and Jeff Passan of ESPN both had reports on baseball's plan to return. Uh, this info I'm about to share with you is from Ken Rosenthal's uh, recent article, that came out on Saturday, May 9th. Uh, so he, he opens it up by saying something that I think is really important. He says, nothing is official. And I think that's really good to note because there are so many reports out right now, including from Ken himself. And well, we all hope the reports of baseball coming back soon are true and we'd like to believe the things we see. Uh, there's no way of knowing until Major League Baseball makes that official announcement. They're not going to start a season, of course, until they make that official announcement. So that's the one thing we want to wait for, that official announcement from Major League Baseball. Uh, Rosenthal adds that the league will discuss its plans for the season in a conference call with owners on Monday, May 11th, and then the league would present a proposal to the Players Union on Tuesday. So that's really exciting. Things are starting to pick up real fast. Uh, regular season... We don't quite know the shape of how it would look, although Rosenthal did add uh, some information that I'll touch on later, but we don't know quite how it would look, but just getting baseball back in general and sports back, I mean, I know baseball is going to be so popular if it's the first sport back, and I think that'll help the league in general for the future, uh, but you know, baseball is generally thought of as a slow, boring sport, at least for the people who don't follow it that closely, and I think people are not going to be forced to watch it now because I don't think I don't think that... Uh, speaks highly of baseball, but they're going to have no choice. But if they really want sports content, they're going to have to look for that Major League Baseball content, and they're going to have to watch those games because that's all we've got for sports right now. Uh, so 
it's it's going to be huge for baseball if they can be the first ones back it'll be a huge delight to fans across the world uh, not just baseball fans but sports fans too we did get a glimpse of korean baseball espn this past week started broadcasting the korean baseball organization uh, the big problem with those of course it's not major league baseball but the games are also on really early in the morning so i know i haven't watched any of the games live yet i've watched a couple of them on dvr uh and it's there it's still great stuff to watch uh, it's tough to have those broadcasters in their own home in their own homes and away from the field obviously that's how it has to be i completely understand that but in terms of a viewer it's hard and i'm sure it's hard for them too and i give them kudos for all the hard work they've done to get baseball back up and running uh, on ESPN, even though it is halfway across the world, but that uh, that just brings more hope to that we could see a baseball MLB season soon. Then, of course, we'd have to think about what's going to happen in terms of minor league baseball. Will there be a minor league baseball season? If so, what will that look like? Will it be shortened? Will it start at the same time as Major League Baseball? Will players be paid? Will as many teams be playing? Will it just be AAA and Double A? What's uh, there's so much to talk about, and I know that. I don't think minor league baseball will start at the same time as major league baseball. I believe we will likely see them, the league, get the make a decision on major league baseball, get that all straightened out, make sure it's nice and smooth flowing, and then focus their attention on minor league baseball because we all know major league baseball is their big money maker. That makes more money than minor league baseball. That draws more attention. There's more TV rights, TV deals, star players, flashier players. So there's full focus right now is on Major League Baseball, but after a decision is made on the majors, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the minors. And then, of course, what could a season look like in Major League Baseball if it does happen? Will we have a trade deadline? What will transactions look like? What will roster sizes look like? What will the division alignment be? What will the dates be? What will the playoffs look like? So again, that's going to all be discussed by Major League Baseball in their upcoming meetings. But uh, going back to Rosenthal's story on The Athletic, he did mention... Uh, four people with knowledge of the league's intentions, and so I'll just quote right from the article here. He said, quote, a regular season beginning in early July and consisting of approximately 80 games. The number might not be exactly 80. 78 and 82 were also possibilities. The schedule would be regionalized. Teams would face opponents only from their own division and the same geographic division in the opposite league. So an NL East club, for example, would face teams only from the NL East and AL East. A 78-game schedule could look like this, with four three-game series against each division opponent and two three-game series against each non-division opponent, end quote. So just gathering information from that real quickly, you can see that they're looking at getting half of a season in. So a regular baseball season, of course, is 162 games. This proposal has 80. Uh, I think 81 would probably be the way to go. That's exactly half, but I guess that's just my the, the perfectionist in me speaking wanting it to be a perfect slice. Uh, either way, I, I won't complain if there's baseball on. I like the idea of the regionalized uh, layout. This season's going to look unlike any season in the past, so there should not be too much concern about, hey, the Red Sox aren't playing the Mariners or the Rockies aren't playing the Nationals. There's If people are staying safe and there's baseball on, I don't think it, there can be a complaint. Uh, I don't think people can complain. Uh, so I like that part of it. The four three-game series against each division opponent and two three-game series against each non-division opponent just makes me think they've begun discussing this already to a point where they're pretty confident in an idea, and I like the sounds of that. And again, I'm not going to complain. If there's baseball on TV, I will watch it, and I will watch it until I am forced to go back to school or go out in public because in the meantime, I have nothing to do, and I need my sports, okay? So safety is the top priority, but if Major League Baseball can figure something out, with getting the players back on the field, whether they 
need to have shortened games even or be in isolation whatever they need to do or, or even make a uh, ban all roster moves and trades i'm fine with that i want to see baseball games okay and i know that's super selfish but i know i speak for most sports fans when we want when i say we want sports back uh, obviously it comes at a cost and we we don't want that cost to be people's lives so if it means it's saving lives then yeah absolutely cut sports off but if we can get sports back in a safe way i'm all for it and i don't care what the schedule or what the rules look like i just want my sports so with that in mind, now let's jump to our guest for the show. So I'm bringing in my good friend Garrett Kelly to talk today with uh, regarding baseball in general. Uh, we're going to be discussing trivia, so I will be rapid fire asking him 11 baseball trivia questions. Uh, they're pretty challenging, I will say. I would not have known the answers to many of them because they're pretty precise and just like random facts you wouldn't know uh, off the top of your head. Um, there are some multiple choice near the end to hopefully... If he's struggling, he can uh, get some help from those, but I don't think he'll struggle. He's got a great uh, great baseball history knowledge, and I expect him to, uh, to succeed in this far better than I would be able to succeed if I uh, tried this out. And a disclaimer, I looked up all of these stats, and I tried to find some really challenging stats from the past uh, decade or two decades, uh, give or take a few years. I think we have one dating back to 2001. Yeah, I think that's when the oldest question is. And then the next ones are all within the 2010s. Uh, so anyways, Garrett Kelly joins the show today. Uh, happy to have him here with us. Welcome to the show, Garrett. Before we dive into the trivia, I'd like to tell everyone listening at home to keep track of their own uh, results from this trivia and make sure to fill me in on Twitter at DoublePlayPTST. Tell me how you did. I will be retweeting everyone who got over 50% correct. Uh, so if you got six or more correct on this upcoming trivia segment, congratulations. Give yourself on the pat on, a pat on the back. You're smarter than me. And uh, send it to me on Twitter. And I will be glad to shout you out. So without further ado, Garrett, let's get into this. So question number one. In 2016 on the Boston Red Sox, which player led the team with doubles and which player led the team with triples? I'll give you a hint. Uh, they are Two separate players. Uh, doubles is Xander Bogarts, and triples is Luki Betts. I'm sorry, that's actually incorrect. That's what I would have said too, but it was actually David Ortiz who led in doubles and Jackie Bradley Jr. in triples. Anyways, I know you'll be able to bounce back. It's just one question. We've got 10 more to go. On to question number two. What is Nolan Arenado's single season home run record? 41. I'm actually going to give that to you because uh, that's really close he got 42 but again like i said it was really precise and hard to get so i will absolutely give you 42 uh, you, or 41 you came within one uh home run of the actual answer which was 42. on to the next question who will be the rays highest paid player in 2020 assuming the season goes on as expected and it is a pitcher uh Blake snell it was not snell that's all right let's keep working i'll give you a hint here uh, they recently joined the team Glasnow? It's not Glasnow. I'll give you one more hint. Uh, he's not homegrown. He was developed in another team's farm system. Oh God, I have no idea. So it was Charlie Morton. Uh, he was due to be paid $15 million this year, uh, but with the shortened season, it'll be less than that. But he'll still be the team's highest paid player. Uh, so on to the next question. Who was the commissioner before Rob Manfred? Uh, Bud Selig. Bingo, you got that one. Two for four so far. Keep it going. Keep the streak. Uh, continue it on. So, on to the question number five. Can you name the past five 
MVP winners from both the American League and National League. You don't have to get them all, but get as many as you can. Uh, Cody Bellinger, Christian Yelich, Giancarlo Stanton. I got no, I can't think of a fifth one for the NL. Uh, the fifth one is Bryce Harper. That was still pretty good, four for five. Uh, how about the AL? AL, Mookie uh, Betts, Mike Trout. Jose Altuve. You're looking good so far. Trout's in there twice, so I'll give you both of those. So you have four of them. Uh, we just need a fifth one from the AL. It would be 2015 MVP. 2015 in the AL. Uh, I'll go with Justin Verlander. It was actually Josh Donaldson. He had a big 2015 with the Blue Jays, as I'm sure you recall now that I uh, now that I give you the answer. But eight for ten on that one. I will definitely count that as a win. So you're three for five so far throughout uh throughout this we're at the halfway point just about next question who is the last player to win both cy young and mvp in the same season uh max scherzer it was not scherzer um trying to see what other hints i could give you it was from the nl uh, you've got that right it was 2014 oh clayton kershaw there it is it was clayton kershaw back in 2014 one more question relating to pitchers uh who were the last five cy young award winners in both the al and nl uh, okay, so we have Justin Verlander, Corey Kluber, uh, I'm sure the NL, uh, I'll give you a hint here for the NL. There's only three players on this list, which means two of them won it twice. Uh, Matt Scherzer, uh, and other good NL pictures. Uh, not Kershaw, not Strasburg. I'm, oh, I'm blanking on these cards. I'll give you a one-word hint. Uh, Mets. Oh, Jacob DeGrom. There you go. That's good. That's four. Uh, we've got one more. They were with the Phillies. When they won Good job. There you go. All right, you have three more from the AL. Uh, two of them currently play for teams different from the team that they won the award with. And I'll tell you, one of them played with the Red Sox when he won it. Oh, uh, Rick Porcello. And then one more. And then I just, I have no idea. The last two were Blake Snell of the Rays and Dallas Keuchel when he played for the Astros. Ah, Snell Yeah, so you only missed two for that one. That was pretty good. I'll give you the points for that, which means you are five and seven, or five for seven so far. Uh, looking very good, much better than I would have been able to do. Your next question is pretty challenging. Um, so, which team had the most wins in 2010? I'll tell you, they were from the National League, and they won 97 games. The Dodgers. It was not the Dodgers. I'll tell you, it was not from the NL West at all. Uh, so it was from the NL East to the NL Central. And they had a really strong staff, uh, really strong pitching staff. Ah, uh, the Cardinals. That's my final answer. No, I'm sorry. It was actually the Phillies. They had a really dominant season that one year with a really strong pitching rotation. Uh, so on to the next question. You're 5 of 8 so far. Here's question number 9. In 2001, was the Red Sox's win percentage above 500 or was it below 500? I'm going to say below. No, but that was actually somewhat of a trick question because it was really close. Uh, it was actually 506, so just six points above. I believe they had two more wins than losses, so really just a game difference there. Uh, so on to the next question. You are five for nine so far. Final two questions pertaining to the Astros. In 2018, which of these Astros had a higher on-base percentage? Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, or George Springer? 2018 on-base percentage. Uh, let's go with Jose Altuve. It actually wasn't Altuve, but I'll give you a chance to stay alive here with a 50-50 question. Was it Bregman or Springer? 
Bregman. You're right, it was Bregman. So he finished with a lower batting average than Jose Altuve did, but he finished with a 394 on base percentage compared to Altuve's 386 because Bregman had 96 walks while Altuve had just 55. So on to the final question here. So far you are 6 for 10, chance to go 7 for 11. Which of these players never played for the Houston Astros? Is it Dexter Fowler, Ryan Goins, or Kike Hernandez? Uh, I'm going to go with Dexter Fowler. No, he actually spent a year with them in 2014. Oh, it's all right. I'll still give you a chance uh, with the 50-50 here. Was it Ryan Goins or was it Kike Hernandez? Who and did Ryan not Goins. play for There it is. Yes, it was Ryan Goins. He has never played for the Astros. So good job. You got 7 out of 11. Again, that's far better than I would have done. Uh, and so thanks for participating in that trivia. People who are listening, let me know how you did on Twitter at DoublePlayPTSC. Hope you all had fun with that and did a good job. So Garrett, before I let you go, I want to talk about something that happened a while back uh, but it's still relevant, even though it might be a little old. Uh, who do you think won the Mookie Betts trade? Uh, Mookie Betts trade. Well, um, well, there was the first trade that like got vetoed by like some physical stuff. So, but the actual trade, I think the Red Sox won it because, and I think they when it first happened, I was not too happy because I didn't really know too much about. Alex Verdugo or Jeter down, but now after this whole like thing and the season getting suspended and there only potentially being like 80 games, I think that uh, the Red Sox are going to win the trade. If I say the Red Sox win the trade if Mookie Betts doesn't resign with the Dodgers. Yeah, I would agree with that. And like you said, I think once they were able to add in, uh, you know the second concept of the trade that really impressed the Red Sox. I think that was huge. And especially, like you said, if they don't re-sign bets, uh, it'll be such a win for the Red Sox because essentially, if the season, if only half of it happens, you're getting half a year of Mookie Betts at roughly 15 or $20 million, plus David Price and his $31 million a year contract in exchange for three good prospects, Connor Wong, Alex Verdugo, and Jeter Downs. So it's uh, going to be a huge win for the Red Sox either way, but especially if Mookie Betts does not re-sign. So before we part here, before I let you go, do you have any social medias or anything else you'd like to plug? No, I'm, uh, follow me on Twitter at GarrettKelly16. All right, sounds good. Everyone, make sure you go follow Garrett on Twitter. Uh, you will not regret it. He has some great content on there. Uh, so thank you, Garrett, for joining the show today, and I appreciate you participating in this trivia. And now we move on to the NFL portion of this show. And we don't have a lot of football chatter now that free agency is completely over basically Jadavion Clowney, the top free agent available. Uh, Logan Ryan said he's not going to re-sign with the Titans, so that was significant. But other than that, it was pretty quiet uh, that I can think of. You know, obviously a few minor moves here and there, undrafted free agent signings. Uh, teams began to sign draft picks. I know Derek Brown signed his four-year deal with the Panthers for slot value. That's the first one I think of off the top of my head. Uh, Josh Uche signed his deal with the Patriots. Uh, there were some other uh, signings thrown in there, but really nothing major except for the schedule release. And depending on who you are, you might not even think that's major. Uh, but as someone who was following every single leak, I had a spreadsheet running with every single leak that was listed. Uh, so I was able to compile a full schedule. Um, I got almost every box filled in before the NFL actually announced the schedule, which was pretty nice to see. You know, I was able to stay on top of everything and I was able to see what they what the different things were. I could see how it was coming together. So I could see when, you know, oh, this team plays so-and-so here, so that means they don't play this team here. 
and this team plays on prime time here or this team plays their division rival away here so they must play at home here and it was nice to see it all come together it almost felt like a sudoku where you get one thing and just everything falls into place so that was nice to follow uh, personally i enjoyed watching that but again as as i said some people don't care about the schedule release because something to consider is that the schedule might be announced in april or may but the concept of which teams uh teams will be playing against is decided basically new year's day and whenever uh the final game of week 17 is played that is when the entire list of opponents for the 2000 uh, or for the next season in this case 2020 season is determined so on Sunday night of week 17, you know who your team is playing the next uh, the next season. But the thing is, you don't know when. So that's what I like about it. And as I mentioned, you see when you get to learn when the primetime games are. Oh, do they play this rival on a primetime game? Or do they play this good team? Or which games are they going to get smoked in? Is that going to be coming after their bye? Will they have an extra week to prepare? When is their bye? Is it early? Is it late? Is it in the middle? Which one do I prefer as a fan? Uh, how many late games do they have? How many early games do they have? Uh, do they play on a Thursday? Do they play on a Saturday? Do they play on Christmas? In which case, the Saints and the Vikings do this year. So there's a lot of stuff to look at, and I know you could just look at it, you know, three or four days after. It's not going to change. It's still going to be relevant. But the suspense, especially in a time like this where it's a slow news period, we're not getting basically anything in the form of football news. It's nice to have that schedule release to at least rely on for a little bit of uh, news to keep um, to keep ourselves sane, I guess. Uh, so with that said, I'm going to take a look at some of the biggest primetime games that were announced and overall just most notable things from the schedule. But like I said, I can't be like, oh, wow, the Patriots play the Rams this season because that was known back in January that the Patriots would play the Rams. Uh, so week one, the Steelers and Giants have a, a Monday night game. So that is interesting because it's not the top two teams in the NFL. Uh, Giants are certainly not up there and Steelers are not up there either. But it's a game between two teams, uh, different conferences, so one AFC, one NFC, that have similar playing styles. Uh, there has been some turmoil at quarterback for both teams. They have, uh, you know, wide receiver units that have been somewhat inconsistent but can be relied on. Still good, like, presence of proven players but just weren't able to prove themselves last year uh, defenses also somewhat similar uh, Steelers have a better defense but Giants are getting there I guess I just say it politely uh, so that's the Monday night game in week one but what I really want to talk about is the Thursday night game season opener between the Houston Texans and Kansas City Chiefs that's the Super Bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs I should add so this is obviously a rematch of their game uh, in the playoffs in which the Chiefs destroyed the Texans after coming back from a 24-point deficit. Uh, so that was insane just to watch and see it transpire. You know, the, the Chiefs were playing from behind early in the second quarter. And then they came back uh, from a huge deficit, and they just slowly, inch by inch, point by point, came back and won the game and were able to advance and eventually become Super Bowl champions. It's also, on a side note, crazy to think about what would have happened if the Texans had won that game and how differently the playoffs would have turned out. Uh, but anyways, Chiefs came back. They had it neck and neck for a while. Houston then fell behind, and they lost. Chiefs took the win. So the Chiefs will be hosting uh, that opening day uh, opening, opening day game, I guess. Uh, it's at night, but opening day. You know what I mean. Anywho, <laughs> on Thursday Night Football, 
And then we talked about the Monday night game just to tell you what the Sunday night game is that week. Uh, we have the Rams versus the Dallas Cowboys. That will be in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium to open up the season. And then we also have another Monday night game that week. So week one is the only week when there's two Monday night games. So that will be Titans traveling to Denver to face the Broncos. And I, I love the idea of that game. So that will probably be the late game and around 10 o'clock because the other game is on the eastern side of the country. So that'll be the is it 10 or is it 11. I can't remember now, but uh, it's it's late evening. But I'm a fascinated with that game. Broncos have a great backfield with Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. Uh, it's not as good as Derrick Henry alone, but it can be. Those are two star running backs in Denver's backfield. They also have a similar wide receiver situation. They don't have that big star yet, but Tennessee has A.J. Brown, who is approaching that point, and uh, Denver has Cortland Sutton, who is also approaching that point. At quarterback, Denver has Drew Locke, who I am so high on entering this season. I think he's going to be a top five quarterback in 2020, and uh, I'll explain about that in a future episode once I put my words uh, on in writing and post it on primetimesportstalk.com. Uh, but anyways, I think Drew Locke is going to have a huge season. He's going to be better than Ryan Tannehill, but will he be better on that one night, Monday Night Football? It's hard to tell. Uh, so we'll see how that all transpires. Again, not making predictions right now. We'll save those for a different time. Week two, again, I won't go through every game, but I'm uh, looking forward to Patriots at Seahawks. That will be on Sunday night. That should be thrilling. Uh, really, two uh, similar offenses in the way that there's been like inconsistencies, but now consistencies. I don't know. I'm just trying to find a way to compare the two because it's really hard to. Um, but I would say their offenses are somewhat similar. Defenses are also similar. Patriots defense is better. See, it's interesting because a few years ago, if you would have asked me, I would have said, yeah, these two teams are so similar electric offenses stars at quarterback pretty good defenses too but now you know tom brady is gone we'll see how that is it's going to be uh jared Siddham's first primetime game and it'll be away on the road so again i'm not making predictions but i think seattle has the edge in that game and then the las vegas raiders also have a primetime game monday night football to welcome everyone to las vegas and their new stadium they play the saints there Week three, the biggest one I want to point out, well, there's two actually, uh, Baltimore versus Kansas City. I don't even need to explain that, right? I mean, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, yes, please. And then we also on Thursday Night Football have Miami Dolphins at the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's a little different. Two Florida teams, both AFC and, well, not necessarily the best teams in football. Uh, Miami, one of the worst teams, they struggled last year and... Uh, finished in the bottom of the AFC East. Well, Jacksonville also struggled and finished in the bottom of the AFC South. So Miami was worse last year, but I think they had the better offseason. They built up their team for the future. They acquired so many free agents. They had so many draft picks. They drafted two at Tagovailoa. They got offensive line help. Uh, they got help all over the field. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that game turns out. I would have Miami in that one, just, you know. Not making predictions, but <laughs> if I did. Uh, week four, uh, I don't see a lot in that week in terms of excitement. San Francisco is hosting a uh, Monday night. No, sorry. They're hosting a game on Thursday night against, nope, third time's a charm. All right. They're hosting a game on Sunday night. Apologies for that. Uh, so San Francisco is hosting a game on Sunday night against the Eagles, and then 
Uh, the other big game that week would primetime game, I guess, would be Falcons uh, Packers in Green Bay on Monday night. Moving into Week Five, Chargers at Saints is on Monday night. That's a meh, that's a decent game. Uh, Vikings Seahawks that was the one I'm looking forward to Sunday night football. That should be big, 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 big. Yes, please. Seahawks Vikings. They had a great matchup last year, I believe. Uh, I can't quite remember what happened from that game, but I believe Dalvin Cook was injured, and that was when we saw what the potential of Alexander Madison could be. I think he had a big game there when he quickly filled in for Dalvin Cook. I might be getting my games mixed up, but I know Dalvin Cook missed some time from that game, and obviously Seattle's backfield has been a, was a disaster late in the season uh, with so many injuries, but that should be a good game. Minnesota at Seattle, Sunday Night Football. We also have Tom Brady's first primetime game as a Buccaneer as, they tra- as the Bucks travel to Chicago. And then after that, we have Week 6. Buffalo versus Kansas City should be a good game. That's a Thursday night clash. Uh, Buffalo could be the next big team in the AFC East with Tom Brady gone. And Kansas City, obviously, really hot right now with Patrick Mahomes. And then uh, Dallas travels, sorry, Dallas hosts Arizona. And the Rams travel to San Francisco for a game against the Niners. That's a divisional game. I'm really looking forward to that. I think two uh, similar offenses with the way that there's doubts about Jared Goff, but there's also doubts about Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, there's talk this offseason about the, the Niners signing Tom Brady when it's really crazy to try and sign or try and even imagine that a team needs a new starting quarterback after just winning their entire conference and uh, coming close in the Super Bowl. But again, there was talk about Garoppolo being benched for Tom Brady. And, I mean, we've seen that before in New England, but at this point, really, replacing Jimmy Garoppolo, again, it was discussed. But anyways, Niners, Rams in Week 6, that should be fun to watch. Uh, Tampa Bay in Week 7 has another primetime game, another one for Tom Brady to show off his skills in Vegas. So Vegas' is second t- primetime game, as well as Tampa's second primetime game. A divisional game on Thursday night between the Eagles and Giants. In Week 8, uh, primetime Tampa Bay yet again, their second primetime game in a row. Uh, they travel to New York to play the Giants. And then another divisional game for the Eagles on primetime Thursday night. They host the uh, Cowboys. And then another divisional game, I should say, on Sunday night, Falcons-Panthers in Carolina. Week 9, again, more divisional games on primetime, which is interesting. We've got, we've, we're seeing a lot of divisional games on primetime in the middle of the season. Uh, while the bye weeks are hot, so are the primetime in division games. Monday night football, Jets, Patriots. Jarrett Stidham's first Monday night start with New England, uh, assuming he starts. I don't see why not. Against Sam Darnold, who should hopefully, for Jets fans, have a good season if he can stay healthy, which I think he can. Last season was tough. He posted some really good numbers when he, despite missing time uh, with Mono. Uh, so when he did play, he was looking pretty good. He had some really good games. He had some really bad games. But overall, I like what I saw from him last year. Uh, and then also that week, Green Bay at San Francisco. I love that. I don't need to explain it anymore. And then New Orleans versus Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay. Tom Brady hosting another primetime game. That's his that's the Bucks' third primetime game in a row. So they go weeks 7, 8, and 9 for primetime games. So really looking forward to primetime games that week. Uh, I'm really excited with what to expect from that uh, that time. 
there so that should be good with Brady versus Breeze obviously such a great story of them uh, meeting up in the same division now to play against each other but uh, overall looking forward to that week nine watch for some big big games week 10 Pats versus Ravens after the Ravens had the one uh, one up on them last year in the in there that was also a primetime game Sunday night so back to back years they have Sunday night primetime games against each other this time it'll be in Baltimore after last year it was in New England uh, week 11 we move on to have a Raiders Chiefs in Vegas uh, primetime in Las Vegas uh, you know, not much there, but it is a divisional game. It should be Kansas City's game, but, you know, anything could be surprising. Raiders, Chiefs, there. And then finally, that, well, not finally that week, but uh, Chicago and Minnesota played against each other in Chicago on Monday night. Week 11, we see uh, the, or no, sorry, week 11 is when the Raiders host the Chiefs. I was looking at the wrong, uh, the wrong schedule. Week 11, the Raiders host the Chiefs. That makes more sense. So Raiders, Chiefs in week 11. And then Rams, Bucks, uh, they had a great shootout last year with that combined for 95 points, so they should be able to uh, produce more points again this year. You know, Tom Brady under center uh, against Jared Goff. They meet up again uh, like they did at Super Bowl 53. So that should be fun. And then divisional game between the Seahawks and Cardinals on Monday uh, Thursday night football. Week 12, Ravens-Steelers, more divisional football. That is on Thanksgiving, by the way. So Ravens-Steelers on Thanksgiving should be fun. Uh, Lions play against the Texans. I'm excited to see that. Lions always host on Thanksgiving. And then finally, Dallas and uh, Washington. They play in Dallas, also another team that hosts every year, Dallas. And then on Monday night, Seattle and the Eagles. That should be a good one. They met in the, uh, they've, I mean, they met a bunch of times, two bird teams, uh, that not that that matters that was stupid anderson anyways seahawks eagles that week on monday night football hope you're enjoying this uh rapid fire commentary of me sharing my favorite primetime games as my throat gets super sore chicago and green bay also play that week on sunday night football that's week 12 come on anderson five more weeks to get through then i can get some water week 13 the bills play in san francisco on primetime chiefs play against denver and Ravens play against the Cowboys. Week 14, Pats at the Rams. So a Super Bowl rematch from Super Bowl 53 in Los Angeles. Should be fun. Steelers, Bills also play that week while the Browns play the Ravens in primetime. Uh, so as you, I think as you see, the primetime games start to fizzle out in excitement. I think every team really plays primetime games if they can. I don't, not if they can, but every team gets assigned primetime games. I think there were two this year that weren't assigned primetime games. Uh, so they really try and get the, the big ones either late in the season or in the middle. Um, and as you saw, I, I said week nine is going to be huge. I'm really looking forward to that one. Uh, but, you know, they still try to make them the most exciting games of the week. That's why they put them on the national stages. But still, every – thinking just from right now, every football game, every every sports game that we get to witness – is better than what we are dealing with right now. So uh, I cannot be picky at all, obviously. And then, of course, moving on to week 15. And that week we see uh, another series of good games. Bengals and Steelers play on Monday night while we get Chargers Raiders divisional class. Another one in Vegas, primetime in Vegas. So all four of the Raiders games this year are in primetime. So they're really pushing that Vegas thing. Uh, those That game is in on Thursday night. And then Cowboys 
versus the Niners on Sunday night. Then we move on to week 16 where we see a divisional matchup between the Bills and the Patriots on Monday night as well as a game between Tennessee and Green Bay in Green Bay on Sunday night. And then uh, we finish that off, or I guess not finish it off, but preceding that is something really interesting. There's a game on Christmas this year. The Vikings travel to New Orleans for a game against the Saints, a rematch of multiple past playoff games. First, of course, the Minnesota Miracle, where Minnesota, uh, Stefan Diggs' is great catch, amazing catch, I should say, ran to the end zone and won the game. Uh, um, again, Minnesota Miracle. You can't really sum it up much better than those two words. And then last year in the offseason, uh, or uh, postseason, my, my apologies, uh, in the postseason, another Minnesota-New Orleans game. So lots of history between these two teams. Really should be fun to see this game on Christmas Day. You know, Minnesota is the weaker team, but they beat New Orleans last year in the playoffs, and they've got a chance to do it again on Christmas Day. Big stage. And, you know, on big stages like that, primetime games on, you know, when, when there's a lot of attention on the game, it can go either way. And I think that's what makes the playoffs so fascinating, is that you're really, you have a one seed versus a six seed, but it could go either way. And so that's going to be similar with the Saints and Vikings game here. It You never know what's going to happen. I mean, Christmas Day... Yeah, I, really not much other than that. It's kind of like the Thanksgiving Day games. You really, it's like a 50-50 toss-up almost. Uh, obviously, if it's like, jeez, uh, I don't know, Chiefs versus the Jaguars or something, well, then you know who's going to win, But most likely. But then when you see teams like Minnesota versus New Orleans, Minnesota might be the underdog and they might be on the road, but the Christmas setting, if this makes any sense, the setting of having a game on Christmas that attention, that national spotlight really balances it out a bit and makes it, you know, whoever plays the best on this one day, whoever shines the most for 60 minutes, they're the team that's going to win. So beyond that, uh, week 17 is all divisional games. They're all during the day on Sunday. There are no primetime games, so you have a slate of games on Sunday at 1, and then another slate at 4. So... Oh, that's always a f- that's always so fun. Uh, usually, there's not a lot of playoff contention races actually on the final day. Um, it all depends on the year and the scenario, of course. But I remember this past year, I think the playoff scenario from the AFC didn't change all day long. I could be mistaken, but I think the Titans were in that sixth seed and they held on to the sixth seed throughout the day because they won over the Texans. Well, the uh, Ravens beat the Steelers, if I remember correctly. It was the Titans and Steelers fighting for that uh, last spot, I believe. And the Titans obviously got in, and they made it to the AFC Championship game when they ultimately fell to the Chiefs. Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. So that's uh, that's all for the NFL schedule. Again, I just wanted to point out those key primetime games. Uh, it's... Like I said, I, I love it. I love checking out these and just seeing. I, I have it as a grid. It's a 19 by 32 table or something. Nine, more than 32 because I have some spaces and some merged cells. But uh, 19 by like 40 grid on a Google sheet. And I just love looking at it like, oh, okay, it's Miami week 12. Hey, there's the Jets. And then I'm just thinking about how that game could go. So it's it's really cool. Uh, I also, like I, I've mentioned a little bit here already is, seeing when teams have multiple primetime games in a row. So Pats have Jets and Ravens in Weeks 9 and 10, for example. Oh, but then there's sometimes when they get three in a row. Ravens have 
Patriots on primetime, and then the week of 1 p.m. game, and then a prime or a uh, Thanksgiving game against the Steelers, and then a primetime against the Cowboys, and then a primetime against the uh, Browns, which is, you know, really cool to see that. Uh, then the, uh, who else was I looking at? There was the series, there was a sequence there for a little while with the Bucks, I believe. Yeah, they played at Chicago in primetime. Then Green Bay, just normal, one, uh, one o'clock game, I believe. And then at the Raiders in primetime, at the Giants in primetime, versus the Saints in primetime, at Carolina Panthers, normal one o'clock game, and then versus the Rams in primetime. So, you know, what I'm just trying to say is if you look through the schedule, there's some really cool things you can find, which is what makes the schedule release so interesting to me is you finally know, hey, there's this series of games right there, and you can examine it. It's more than just who are they playing, it's when are they playing them, what patterns can you find, what different things you look at right away. When I was watching NFL Network when they officially uh, released the schedule and interviewed uh, different coaches, they kept asking them what you look at first, and that's just something that I look, I like to learn about. What are they What are they looking at first when they get this schedule? And, uh, you know, most likely those same things that they're looking for are interesting to me. Uh, when do they play their rivals? When do they play games that they're easily going to win? When are they going to lose? What are the close games going to be? When are their bye week? When are their primetime games? So I, I've touched on all this already. I'll let you go here. And uh, thanks for listening to this show. But uh, that's basically what my, my opinion is on that NFL schedule. So uh, as we conclude this show, I just want to thank you again for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. Uh, this, again, is a member of the Primetime Sports Talk Podcast Network. Follow Primetime on Twitter at Talk Primetime. And on Instagram at PT Sports Talk. Check us out online at primetimesportstalk.com for great sports content from my tremendous colleagues. Um, I hope you guys are staying safe during these challenging times. Uh, continue to stay isolated, stay safe, stay happy, stay positive. It'll all be worth it in the end. Uh, again, I appreciate you tuning in. Fingers crossed for a, a positive coronavirus and sports world update by the next time we meet in two weeks from now. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, especially to my own mother. Uh, I I know I just finished up a really nice meal, uh, and uh, yeah, that's all I've got for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Anderson Picard. You can follow me on Twitter at Anderson Picard. Thank you all for tuning in. I'll uh, talk to you soon. (laughs) 